0: Thank you for downloading this episode of Heartland Podcast. My name is Rasmus Questgart, and I'm the Program Director of Talks at Heartland Festival. The podcast you are listening to is part of Heartland's Future Talks program. It's a live conversation between Tim Hinman and Benjamin Walker and it's called The Theory of Everything. The topic of conversation centers on truth and lies and the lines between news, satire and advertisement in audio broadcasting. Specifically, podcasting. Among other things, they talk about fake news, propaganda, and the difference between fiction and reality. The British podcast producer, writer, and sound engineer, Tim Hinman, is one half of the pioneering podcast duo Third Ear, a Danish podcast that tells real stories about real people. Third year has won critical acclaim for their stories and documentaries, which, among other things, has resulted in a film adaption and several international and Danish awards. He sounds like this.
1: Everybody talks about these very important concepts, like uh, having a contract with your listener, you know, mm-hmm. that you don't break that contract and stuff like that, which is an unwritten understanding that you are authentic and that they will be able to trust
0: you. Benjamin Walker is an American podcast producer and one of the founders of the famous podcast network, Radiotopia. On his show, Benjamin Walker's Theory of Everything, he relates journalism, fiction, and art to the world in the future. He occasionally explores how listeners consume, and he often experiments with the lines between make-believe and reality, and lets the listeners interpret. He sounds like this. The truth is stranger
2: than fiction. It's actually faker. Than fiction because there's just too much fakery going on and, and and audiences uh are just too confused in other words i don't it's not like i want to debate whether native advertising is a good thing or a bad thing i just feel that you can draw a line between so much of it and the fact that people have a hard time understanding what is news and what isn't
1: Wow. Wow. We're used to talking to microphones in tiny little rooms. Or bedrooms. Yeah, yeah. I did a lot of work under my duvet, actually. I don't know about you. Um, Yes, thanks very much for coming along. Uh, Thanks to Scenario for having us here. Um, I'm Tim. That's Benjamin Walker. Hello. Um, As was mentioned, we are going to talk about... Some pretty important things that which we may or may not know anything about. I'm not sure. We're going to talk about the truth and lies, truth and lies, the future, and we're going to talk about podcasting because we are podcasters. That's what we do, right? Um, And have been for a while. (laughs) For a while, and we're going to start with one of those cozy anecdotes about how we first met, which happened actually. Eight years ago. Yeah,
2: yeah. I was here doing uh, a piece for your third year when it started. I think in, as a podcast. And we both grudgingly talked about how much we hate that word, <laughs> podcasting. It wasn't so much
1: of a word back then.
2: right? Well, we, we were thinking about more, are we radio people or are we podcasting people? And it's now that, you know, a few years later, I'm, I'm curious, when did you decide that it was okay to be identify as a podcaster?
1: Uh, well, I remember... There's a common friend of ours, Pike Melinowski, who brought Ben over and he brought us over to our little studios before we even published the first third year. Uh, and, and I was saying, oh, it's like we're not from the big radio house anymore, we can't talk to people and like, have this authority. And, and Ben's advice to me was, oh man, you're podcasters, man, you've got to be badass. <laughs> So for years, I went around telling people, Benjamin Walker told us we have to be badass. <laughs> and, and then I think a couple of years ago, we met again, and you told me the complete opposite. But, you know, yeah. but never mind.
2: Well, it is a lot easier to be a podcaster today because people know what an actual podcast is.
1: Yeah. yeah <laughs> and the first thing that Benjamin made, I don't know if anyone's heard it. It's one of the really early 30 years. But um, he made a piece about Sir Kierkegaard. And interesting, one of the things he did... In that piece, he wanted to go and talk to people about Saint Kierkegaard, but he, he wanted to talk to Joachim Garth, who'd written a biography of Saint Kierkegaard. And uh, in the piece, he says that, I got to talk to Joachim Garth by pretending to be a journalist. <laughs> I'm glad you remember that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, we, we, we're going to play lots of audio clips, short ones. And um, we'd like to start with the first one, if we may. It's very short. It's
3: Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. At twenty minutes before eight Central Time, Professor Farrell of the Mount Jennings Observatory, Chicago, Illinois, reports observing several explosions of incandescent gas occurring at regular intervals on the planet Mars. The spectroscope indicates the gas to be hydrogen and moving toward the Earth with enormous velocity. We now return you to the music of Ramon Rockello playing for you in the Meridian room of the Park Plaza Hotel situated in downtown New York.
1: Stop, cease, thank you. Great. Uh, that was a tiny clip, the very, very first bit of War of the Worlds broadcast in 1938 by Orson Welles the Mercury Theatre Company. Can everyone hear me, by the way? I've been told I'm yeah. talking too quiet. Can you hear me? Yes. Louder. Louder. Okay. Like this. Yeah. That's more like it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like I say, we normally talk in cupboards. So yeah.
2: All right. And that is a very old piece of audio. That's like almost 80 years
1: old. Yeah, 80 years old, and yeah, most people know the story of it, right? I mean,
2: yeah, but it, it's it's always I think what attracted me to that medium in that, you know, I think it's the one medium where you can still fake people out because they think if it's on the radio, it must be true, right?
1: There is a, I, I do experience there's a kind of a weird expectation that things that are on radio are supposed to be journalis- more journalistic than other things. Or so people are more realistic or something. Eh. Unless, you should, unless you wave a flag and say this is drama. But.
2: Yeah, It's interesting that you even use the word journalistic. Because I feel like even with some of the fake, fake stuff I do, just because it's audio. Like if I had tried writing this, you know, like maybe um, one of the things we're about to play, this, this drone bit... It would never have worked, but because it's audio, you know, now it's you know, on the podcast, but it, it has a gravity that just would not be anywhere else.
1: I think it's time to play a little clip from yeah. uh, Benjamin Walker's theory of So it's, it's not
2: the War of the Worlds, but it's, 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 it's trying to do something similar. <laughs> ...that
3: it went down. He laid the whole thing out to me at this party. He says, Ivanka walked him into the Oval Office a few weeks ago to introduce him to her father and after they say their hellos, this guy could see that Trump was visibly upset. So he asked the president, what's bothering him? And Trump tells him about how mad he is about Assad who just gassed all those beautiful babies. And so this guy whips out his iPhone and shows Trump his app. He zooms in on Syria, and he zooms in on this Assad air base, and then he hands his phone to Trump and says, press the red button. So Trump presses the button and calls up a drone, and in less than three minutes, he's dropping bombs on this air base. Real bombs. No, no, the, the whole thing is a simulation. It's, it's meant to showcase how the app would work. But Trump... He can't stop wondering how much time would it take for the actual U.S. military to do the same thing. This is why he launched the strike. Come on. Well, this guy showed me a text he got from Trump later that day. Four hours, 37 minutes, and 26 seconds from order to explosion. Sad. So... Trump has Ivanka bring this guy back to the Oval Office the next day. And Trump tells him, I want to fund you.
2: Fund what, though? You said it was a simulation. Does Trump not know what vaporware is? To be honest,
3: technology isn't the issue here.
2: You're saying it wouldn't be that difficult to build an app that would allow anyone with the click of a button to control a bunch of drone armed drones that are just flying around waiting to drone people
3: that would take like a day but again it's not the technology that grabbed trump's attention it's the it's the idea that a startup a business could do droning better and faster than say the entrenched establishment
2: you mean the military yeah
3: the Trump doctrine is all about business not government
2: so does this business have a
3: name yet Trump wants them to call it you
2: fired so you fired I don't know if the echo was there but you fired you fired yeah
1: so tell, tell me exactly what you're doing here.
2: Yeah, so this this is a lot of hearsay. It's just a, a friend of mine who's been a regular on the show for a long time who actually does work in uh, security-related industries. And I never know, even myself sometimes, it'll always start with a crazy phone call from him. He's one of those friends you have that'll just call you with a story like that. But the thing is, at this moment, I I ran this a few months ago, and, you know, in my country, my president is quite a character, and, and it's hard to keep up with imagining, like, what, you know, he might do in terms of, like, faith. And I'm not alone in this. There are a lot of people who feel it's very difficult to do satire, and it's not even in America. I mean, it's, it's very hard to do satire at this moment in time. Um, uh, yeah, so, so I've been having some, some, some problems with that. But still, I will say... Because it's audio, I will still get emails from people like, whoa, how did you get this scoop on Trump's new plan to build an app for drones?
1: <laughs> but you're definitely not doing anything very hard to give it away, apart from the fact that it's... I mean, it's
2: hearsay. I mean, again, there's like a friend of a friend at a barbecue that, that sets it up.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, you, you also mentioned to me that you find it quite difficult yeah. in a way to, 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 to sort of make stuff up that is stupid enough to be fake. Yeah, yeah,
2: it's hard. <laughs> Especially in my country, but also I feel like in all media.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, you, you have got, yeah, the prince of all presidents, yeah. you know, to, to, to help you out there. But but is it is it kind of, is it cramping your style? Is it damaging your game, this guy?
2: It's hard. I mean, you know, we talked about some of the stuff we see on the internet that uh, uh, is also, you know, perhaps even making, you know, this, there's, yes, it's very hard. It's, I would have to say that I feel at this moment in time, um, the satire thing has been very difficult.
1: Mm. I, I brought along a clip to play for you, but, because it's something I do when I'm supposed to be working, is I start looking at YouTube, and then I disappear yeah. down YouTube. Great resource for yeah. procrastination. Yeah, yeah. excellent. Um, and I enjoy conspiracy theories, and the different kinds of videos you can see about that on the internet, and there are many um, things, everything from the flat Earth to the pyramids of Mars and stuff like that. You know, it's yeah, it's, it's I know I'm ashamed, but I want to play you the clip because there are millions of people, actually literally millions of people, and I think this clip has had like nearly half a million plays. That we're going to see now. It's my personal conspiracy crazy favorite, which describes in a proper robot conspiracy theory voice, you know, it's not a real voice, Um, how Whitney Houston was sacrificed to celebrate the diamond jubilee of Queen Elizabeth II of England (laughs) by Madonna, (laughs) giving birth to the Antichrist in the form of Nicki Minaj. (laughs) It's all there. It's all there. there. But let's just have a listen.
4: As the world mourns the tragic death of the singer Whitney Houston, conspiracy forums all over the Internet are steaming with discussions whether she was sacrificed by the Illuminati to fulfill some evil agenda, as well as the sinister details about this event that of no way can be taken as mere coincidences. The death of Whitney Houston is fully surrounded by odd synchronized dates, creepy events, several cabalistic numbers blatant darkness rituals on American TV and occult symbols that strongly suggest that she was actually murdered in a satanic sacrifice, believe it or not, for the Diamond Jubilee of the Queen of England Elizabeth II. The evidences that point out to this dark conclusion, have been exposed by several members of the Godlike Productions Forum. I took part in most of these discussions, gathered all the elements that surface so far, and put them together so that you can understand what might actually be going on. Prepare yourself. Let's start by taking a look back at Madonna's performance at the Super Bowl halftime, in February 5th. Dressing as a Babylonian goddess of darkness, she threw up a blatant occult ritual on American TV, accompanied by Mia, Nicki Minaj and dozens of dancers, dressed like pagan entities, Priests and Priestesses. Madonna, who's an actual priestess of the Jewish Kabbalah, nicknamed Esther, seems to be representing the Venus, Inanna, Ishtar, the alien goddess worshipped by the Illuminati. Notice that part of the stage has the shape of a diamond, and take in mind that this ritual at the Super Bowl, took place one day before the date of Queen Elizabeth's Diamond Jubilee. She ascended to the throne of UK, in February 6, 1952. Thus, what are the odds of Madonna having performed an occult ritual for the Queen of England at the Super Bowl?
1: What are the odds Ben yeah.
2: you know again like I, I don't see a lot of stuff with visuals that makes me jealous or don 't want to like give up audio but this <laughs> this one is is pretty pretty yeah. awesome, but again, it's like hard to compete with that right to try to make fake out like they' But if you sent me that link, you know I would. I mean, I'm not going to be like, whoa! How did you find this out? Whereas I still believe, if I sent you an like, there are more people believing things from audio than this. Maybe, but it just also gets to just how hard it is to compete because the real is so crazy.
1: Yeah, and and I also, I mean, the serious reason I wanted to play it for you is because there are literally, I mean, of the half a million people who see it, there are some yeah. who just do this stuff. Then yeah. they recopy them and make their own ones, and they get worse and worse and worse. but those are a lot of the people who are out there believing there's a whole media of, of insanity out there, so the goalposts, yeah. in a way, have been moved like way out yeah. to the left and right, so you can hit more or less anybody yeah. with more or less anything.:
2: yeah. Uh, yeah in a recent series that I did, I tried to get at a lot of this. Um, I, just, I just did a a, a long series, almost a year long. I started even in fact, before the, the American election. But I tried to get it sort of like crazy conspiracy theories, propaganda, surveillance, and I was also getting at the same uh, ending point but through Internet advertising because I feel that, you know, when we talk about surveillance, we are mainly focused on the NSA, the Snowden documents, government spying, whereas ad technology, especially from Google, Facebook, these are monitoring us every move we make, every click we make, every thing we watch, everything we buy in an, in an attempt to uh, surveil us, to sell us more things. And uh, I feel I learned a little something um, through doing this uh, series that, I was, that, that made me think about the problem with satire and fake news differently. But um, we talked a little bit about podcasts. What's different in America
1: is that we have more ads in the podcast yeah we don't have to do that so much here but um, socialism it's it's coming (laughs) yeah we we live in a socialist paradise uh, it is beautiful i've been trying to explain to you
2: (laughs) but in america a lot of the energy around podcasting has to do that we have a lot of advertising involved in it um our model is very different in that um this breakthrough has been a lot of companies uh Having podcasters read the ads at the beginning of the show, except sometimes in the middle. So for this series I did on uh, fake news and surveillance and advertising, I decided to have a fake ad in each one of the episodes, interrupting it in the middle.
1: So a fake, a fake ad. Yeah. In, in a fake show. Yeah, in a fake <laughs> show. <Yeah.
2: laughs> and it became clear, obviously, that you know, going back to even the Orson Welles clip, like they had to be real products. And um, otherwise, you know, if it was a fake funny product, we just, that's not funny anymore. It just wouldn't even really work. So the products were similar, and I also wanted them to uh, perhaps comment on the content itself as they would, you know, when you're seeing more of the ads in the content line up. So I thought maybe we could play example, which is the end of a conversation I'm having with a Dutch design duo called Metahaven talking about their work on propaganda and the future of propaganda. And then it goes into my fake ad. And you can, yeah, maybe we'll
1: s- do that. One, one thing that struck us while making the sprawl is almost the inevitability of building your own truth, your
2: own version of truth. What Metahaven wants us to see is that the sprawl is not just growing, it's also accelerating at speeds that seem to countermand any and all attempts to put the real and the fake and the ads and the news back into their old boxes.
5: Disinformation and confusion have become uh, propagandistic strategies, strategies that have become extremely effective. But with the internet, uh, stories get accelerated and
2: also the reaction to stories also accelerates. So you get this kind of propagandistic disinformation and confusion strategies that constantly are reacting to each other, but they're all trying to confuse each other at the same time, which, re- which results in you know, sometimes extraordinary narratives that kind of completely lead you to uh, something that's not even true or false, but that's just a kind of completely
5: new reality.
1: Yeah.
2: For now, it's pretty much all we can do. Marvel After the break what Facebook is really up to Are you sick and tired of objective reality?
3: Yes, we are
2: I know it's exhausting especially now
3: I will build a great great wall Nobody builds walls better than well me, me.
2: with the new Oculus Rift you can curate your own reality With Oculus Rift nothing is impossible Everything is permitted. You can decide on your own what is fake and what is real. Get one now and retreat into a world all of your own making. Go to Oculus.com slash Rift and use the offer code THEORY and get 25% off your first order of next generation virtual reality. That's Oculus.com slash Rift. 25%
1: Twenty five percent off with the yeah. with, with the uh, the promo code. So theory.
2: which you recognize as a podcast listener from, you know, that's the same language we use for all of the real ads. But again, coming back to some of the problems I have with, you know, people believing things that are completely made up. Everyone thought this ad was real.
1: Well, it's Oculus Rift, right? Yeah. We, we know we know what that is. That's it's, real.
2: Yeah, it's a real thing. But the idea that they would be sponsoring. My show.
1: And just, just to be sure, the people before, they were real, too? Yeah. Kind of.
2: Oh, yeah. The, the Metahaven was real. They're real. But I even, like, you could see that, like, oh, like a hokey way of trying to introduce the ad interrupting the show, which, again, is something I don't really like to listen to. You know, you don't do ads interrupting the middle of your show.
1: No. No. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but just, like, you can hear that, like, break where I'm like, well, uh, what do I say? Okay, yeah, we marvel at this, but... Uh, The whole thing was a meta-commentary on this, but everyone thought it was real, including one guy who so wanted it to be real, he hunted down my bosses at Radiotopia, the network I'm a part of, and wanted to find me, because he wanted it to be real, and so I interviewed him
1: for the final giveaway in the series. So this is someone who actually, he was concerned about the advert not being real, or he was... Well, you want to hear it? Let's just let's hear the clip i was
5: on the road i was driving i was listening to the podcast in my car and i heard an ad for oculus and uh i thought that it was just clever copy on your part i was like wow really uh that sponsor is really giving benjamin some creative freedom in terms of how he shills the product i'm a filmmaker i happen to be in the market for a headset and yeah i just wanted to believe I went online I went to the Oculus site I looked for uh, a discount code and it didn't work. So I wrote the company, and they wrote me back and said, we have no discount code for this podcast. We have no records. Maybe you could try Amazon. <laughs> and I tried Amazon, and it didn't work for Amazon either. And at that point, I thought, hey, if there's a 25% discount, I think I'm going to try everything I can to get this discount. So I, I went to the uh, your show's website. I think I went to Twitter. <laughs> you liked my tweet where I I thought maybe jokingly I was calling it satire. Um, and then I wrote Radiotopia, who then forwarded the message to you.
2: And did you buy it? I haven't yet. Ah, so you would have bought it if the discount was there.
5: Oh, I will buy it. I just haven't gone through the motions.
2: You're still going to buy an Oculus, but you definitely would have done it right then and there. Oh, yeah. Had oh, yeah. that code worked. Yes. Wow, so it's basically my, my satirical ad almost worked better than a real ad. Yes. <laughs> you know, what I really want to know is, do you think I should get in touch with them and just tell them about this story as a reason for why they should support the podcast?
5: I, I really do. I really think you can use it as an example. Saying, look, uh, I've got the reach. Uh, obviously, people are responding. Um, maybe you should sponsor my show. Maybe what I'll do is I'll wait. I won't buy the Oculus until they sponsor your podcast.
2: You can purchase ad space on Benjamin Walker's Theory of Everything by visiting radiotopia.fm slash sponsorship or send an email to sponsor at radiotopia.fm. So that did end with a couple new sponsor queries that I was told by the ad people.
1: So really you can just keep this going, you can just oh, keep on going. No. Eventually someone's going to pay you some
2: money. <laughs> I was very happy for this experiment to end and it was really disconcerting how many people believed that these were real even though the, the number of clues I would put in. And what I feel I learned from this because you know, one of the things I talked about in the series about ad technology is this blurring over us as you know, when we encounter, especially internet advertising, we don't know if it's an ad or if it's content. The term in vogue right now is something called native advertising, but it's, it's, it has other names.
1: Yeah. Advertisement, my ad- personal favorite. Advertorial. Advertorial, <laughs> <laughs> advertorial
2: yes. yes. That's but that's the one in, in vogue right now is, is, is uh, native advertising. And advertisers love it in that they can confuse um, the audience. And that's why it sells. And even in audio, it's especially blurring because it's my voice. So even if I'm using the copy, it becomes part of my show because what we do is our own voices. So it's especially blurry. And I feel from at the end of this experiment, what I realize is that maybe I don't have a satire problem, but more I have a, a too much fakery problem. In other words, it's not that the truth is stranger than fiction, it's actually faker than fiction because there's just too much fakery going on and, and, and audiences uh, are just too confused, in other words I don't, it's not like I want to debate whether native advertising is a good thing or a bad thing I just feel that you can draw a line between so much of it and the fact that people have a hard time understanding what is news and what isn't in other words there's a direct, co- there's a direct connection, it may even be a consequence of that
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that guy. Um, you told me something that happened in Copenhagen just yesterday. Oh, it was amazing. Before, I, so. was, I was at a coffee shop, and there was
2: a Danish... Coffee collective <laughs>
1: serving excellent <laughs> ah, variety. Good coffee. Oh, but
2: there was good. a Danish ad executive and an Australian ad executive talking about making ads, and they were talking about native advertising. And they were kind of sad that the clients were so into this native ads because they felt the ads themselves were more authentic than the native ads, which is sort of like all journalists are con- complaining about and makers like myself about there's this, this confluence of things is difficult for us to make authentic fake. I can't compete with all of this fake. And they, as ad makers, were complaining that they couldn't compete. It was amazing. It was amazing to overhear that.
1: We, we were offered a third year... Uh, only one time ever uh, a commercial sponsor and it was right at the beginning yeah and i think was it, was, it? it was a mistake i think because we were talking about it what, would that be a thing and could we do that and the only people that rang was burger king no uh, really yeah and i'm not quite sure how many beats went before like we, everyone said no but there were one or two beats when we thought uh, no. So would you like <laughs> eat burgers? We, we, we your could podcast? have done that. <laughs> we could have... mm, The, the mm. big
2: year will continue after my big, big
1: belief. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they didn't ask for anything like that. And I don't know, maybe the advertising industry in America is more sophisticated than it yeah. is here. Uh, so far people haven't done it. There are people now starting to do sponsored things and this, that, and the other. And yeah. I don't know, I don't think people have such a hard time spotting the difference. Maybe you're just making it too difficult for them to yeah. to hear what, they, what you're doing.
2: Yeah, anyway, it's something I'm debating right now. I feel that it's, it's uh, something to try to figure how to approach, you know, moving forward, how to compete with all of this fakery as someone who wants to do... Fa- it's almost like, do I just give up and make real stories?
1: <laughs> well, it's an option. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a lot to do with finding a specific level and people here talk a lot about, or journalists, yeah. which actually I don't count myself as one either. I'm not a trained journalist or anything. But everybody talks about these very important concepts like uh, having a contract with your listener, you know, mm-hmm. that you don't break that contract and stuff like that, which is an unwritten understanding mm-hmm. that you are authentic and that they will be able to trust you
2: yeah but i don't the journalists don't own that i mean i feel that even as non-journalists we are working with something similar like and i feel like that's what makes even the war of the worlds clip work because there's a there's just some thing that that works so well in audio
1: but it also strikes me that there's no real reason why anybody has to pay attention and especially with podcasting and the way media is splintering Mm -hmm. and going into the future. That we come, for example, I come from a public service big house broadcaster where those kind of rules were kind of taken for given. Everybody yeah. assumes, oh, well, of course we would never tell lies. Yeah. Uh, not intentionally. Um, whereas new media is coming up from anywhere, has no control, actually. Yeah. doesn't even come from the same country as you might yeah. be listening to it. in. So you can do whatever you want. Yeah, but you can see that, that, that new dynamic playing
2: out in my country with the advertising, because in the public radio world, where most of us come from, especially in the network I'm in, Radiotopia, the newscasters would never use their own voice to read an ad. In fact, it's forbidden. I mean, that would just be common sense not to do that, whereas one of the pushes driving podcasting is because that's allowed, and that's where the advertisers want to spend their money. They want the host-read ad. So in other words, it's, it's this, because it's a new thing, the rules have been
1: kind of broken, and and you just, like a spigot, it's just like pouring out. Mm. But what if you, if you get away from adverse and get into, into stories themselves though? There's also plenty of fake news being yeah. generated around the world, real stuff, malicious fake news, deliberately created bad stuff. This is being created by people who are not under any obligation to do a better no. job.
2: No.
1: Are you just making the situation worse by uh, doing what you do?
2: Yeah, again, do I need to just sort of take a pause and return to just telling real stories? It's, it's something, to be honest, how to deal with this, this thing I'm calling faker than fiction is, is something I'm just trying to figure out. I'm, in this next series I'm going to be starting on, it's, it's going to be a big, big theme.
1: <laughs> I did once. I mean, back in the day, uh, I made a piece. Um, so you solved all this already? I've solved all of this with my years of, of experience. I should have just <laughs> well, given you a call. When we started Third Year, we had the same thing. You know, should we only tell true stories? A lot of people have heard the stories we've made, which are true stories. We construct them a lot. We edit them a lot. We do a lot of things to make them sound better uh, and to make the people who tell them sound smarter or, or more, more like we want them to sound. Uh, but they're nearly all true. But some people asked us many times, we've we been. Asked, is this guy an actor? And we're like, well, nobody could write script as good as this guy talks, which, I mean, he's way better than an actor. He's for real. But we did, and the last time it happened, I'm going to make full disclosure, uh, I'm going to play a little clip from something I made in 2010, which was in a program about how I had to make a story. It was a, the story was I needed to find a story. There was no story, so I talked to a bunch of fiction people, film directors and playwrights, and, about how do I make a story out of nothing. So it was pretty obvious that it was about constructing. Uh, and then at the end of it, I, play, uh, I make this scene happen, which we can hear here. At this point, I had to try and explain what I was doing here. Something to do with the murder 250 yeah, okay, years okay. ago okay. that may or may not have actually happened here.
6: This is Henrik. Yeah, Henrik. Yeah.
1: And Henrik works here.
6: it's me to pass the area here and also for for in
1: Henrik and I got talking. It's like there are so things that happen what henrik was about to show me was something i couldn't possibly have made up myself
6: sometimes truth
1: is just simply better than fiction
6: Vi, slutter bare. vi kan bare flytte lige smule smule her bagved, og så kan vi komme ned i gangene. I I gangene. Der ligger jo gange, altså under hele Frederiksstaden, som går fra Medicis Museum over på Armanienbog, Moldkigs Palæ, længere over til Marmorkirken. Der er jo et system af gange, som ligger herunder. Så det er det sådan. Ja, det er det. Der.
1: Now I can tie my story together. A network of tunnels beneath Frederick Frederiksstaden, connecting all the major points.
6: De her Gange den om en far har vist for mig. Den gang jeg var for ham, øh, i starten af året sådan. Altså jeg ved jo ikke hvorfor.
1: I've got enough facts to make this story hang together. A thin skeleton of evidence and history. And, um, but what more do you need? Oh, I'm going to quick. But I'm bullshitting completely, obviously. Um, and you're letting the listener know? Not really. I mean, it's pretty obvious when I tell you the guy's a pretty bad actor. He's just a friend of mine called Henrik. Um, and... Yeah, you know, and but and did stuff like there's a lot of wind noise in the microphone. <laughs> if there's wind noise in the microphone, it must be true. <laughs> uh, things like that. Um, it definitely works, uh, even though it's set up in such a ridiculous way. Even though Henrik is so unconvincing in, in so many ways, I, at least a dozen people have asked me where those tunnels are in <laughs> Frederiksberg. The connecting the Royal Palace with the ro- all of these sort of places since then, and. And I'm like, seriously, you didn't like you didn't get like the whole point of the show was about making stuff up. Uh, but of course I said I couldn't make this up. I said that in the piece, so obviously I'm telling the truth, right? And and
2: so you said you made this a few years ago. What when you had those twelve people come up to you, were you did that bother you enough to say that you you, you have to not do this or, or
1: Well it's a choice that happened then which is I guess a similar place that you well you've gone a lot further down the road but we do make stories that really do affect people's lives, are serious stories about people's experience. And suddenly it started feeling like, really, if we start making things unsure, we're going to make it really hard for people to believe. Yeah. At the same time, something you said to me uh, not very long ago, people often ask you why podcasting is, You know, what's the difference between podcast and radio and stuff? And the stuff we make we make it in the way we want to make it and we construct it and we do all of that stuff and you, I'm now going to use this one instead of uh, be badass for the next five years until you tell me it's not true anymore but you just said, well, podcast is just better yeah. than radio
2: yeah.
1: you know but
2: whatever you mean by that no, no, it, in a way it's like in the p- clip you just played where, where truth is better than than fiction um there yeah there's just something about i think at the craft and the kind of people who are working in podcasting that just have less interference from just structures that have existed for many years without even like saying that those structures are the problem it's just that there's just a traditional way of doing things and there's so much doing things differently that have been allowed in podcasting that yeah i'll stick with the word better
1: yeah, but we also find, I mean, that the way we tell stories very subjectively and yeah. going forward, people seem to be responding more and more to that. Yeah. Is that the whole idea of objectivity is kind of going to go in a little out the window and that the way forward is to just tell stories better. Yeah, I, I, I do
2: think, you know, also when you brought up sort of this moment, you know, before you played the clip, we talked about this moment in time where, you know this whole post-truth moment, even the, the MetaHaven duo was talking about this, that it is, you know, in terms of, like, thinking about society, it is problematic that that we everyone has a different version of, of, of what is true and the amount of fakery going on. That does make it seem like, you know, my duty as a human being should be to just, like, say, sorry, kid, you wanted to do fake stuff, but you have to stick with reality. But, no, I, I did... The reason I set out to do this is I... I I'm not a journalist either. I wanted to make stuff up. And it just feels like, uh, yeah, we're, we're at a really weird moment with this. And I'm glad you worked it out for yourself. But uh, I'm still trying to figure it out.
1: Yeah, I don't know, though. I mean, documentary is a pain in the ass because it doesn't always work out as well as you want it to. Mm. Um, so that's a kind of <laughs> an easy way.
2: <laughs> the, the, the 12 people, was that like, you know, like concerned listeners that wrote you in? Were there... These were people I just met that came up yeah. to me and said, oh. And it's still happening.
1: Not so much anymore, but uh, it hasn't been heard for a while.
2: But, okay.
1: I, but we could do the same again. You yeah. Know? We could, you could just, and that's, I mean, I, I'm now in serious personal crisis because I've actually recited some of the shit I heard in your show to other people.
2: <laughs> which, yeah, which is so fun, right? I mean, it's not like I'm trying to, like, the goal is not to confuse. Them. I wanted take people to another place to, you know, suspend belief and, you know, take the listener somewhere just as, you know, a documentary storyteller would. It's not just like, hey, I have everyone thinking the aliens are invading. Um, That said, it does, it seems more fraught at this moment.
1: And the idea of suspension of disbelief used to just belong to the fiction makers. That was was their thing, but not so much anymore. Yeah, but, and again, I don't know the
2: Denmark context as, context as much as I know as my own, but, you know, just, yeah, in the age of Trump, it's, it's you know, like Pizzagate. I don't know if you remember that story. Um, it's, it's bonkers. It's a really, really weird moment, um, and, and it feels dangerous. Hmm. More dangerous than the 12 guys thinking about the tunnels.
1: <laughs> yeah that doesn't matter, that's the point I mean, <laughs> it's easier to do stuff about doesn't, that doesn't really matter but um, we're going to have to sort of wind up, we've got no more clips we've no, we're, right out, of, out, of we're clips. out of clips and uh, the one thing that we thought, well I thought actually after talking to you that people should take away is, is one thing for them but it's a different thing for us there's got to be a future, a way to go forward for us if you know, with, the, with this faker than fiction thing I mean, are you just going to get dull on people in order to uh, be good? or you, I mean, I don't know. You, you need to know. You need to go home yeah. meditate. Think about where you want to go with this. But do you have any clues?
2: Um, again, like I said, I'm, I'm starting to think about uh, it from a format point of view. It's interesting that you said dull. But I'm almost thinking that, like, you know, the, the fact that you can't make up anything wild anymore, especially, say, you know, with drones and, and our orange president... But maybe, you know, maybe dull is a, is a way forward. Uh,
1: it's just, yeah, maybe just tweaking it enough.
2: <laughs> but no, I really don't have an answer yet.
1: I don't think anybody does. But then it's like up to them to yeah. decide what the, they want to listen to. Yeah. And the problem with dull is they don't.
2: Yeah, there is something about trump as a just a reality television performer right there's something so amazing that he's also understands just the power of making stuff up and he he knows the power of what if the whole thing isn't even about politics and it's just some entertainer guy really wanting to keep his audience
1: well (laughs) i think we're pretty much done then i mean in terms of that i mean we got to say huge thank you to to the people from scenario for letting us sit up here and talk nonsense for for like an hour or so in front of you guys
0: you've been listening to a future talk from heartland 2017 the future talks of 2017 were created in collaboration with scenario magazine and supported by the Novo nordisk foundation